Welcome to the Renew Theology Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Bethany. We're two millennial women who enjoy discussing God's Word and how it applies to our lives. We believe in seeking to be rooted and established in the Word and allowing its truth to penetrate every area of our lives. Welcome to another episode of Renew Theology. Today we're going to be talking about something we're both excited to talk about, actually. It's worship music and theology. We're going to discuss a few questions about worship music and theology. One of them being, um, is it important to have good theology in worship music? Or is it more important to for those words to like have an emotional connection with the people who are singing them we're also going to talk about if worship and theology mix what does that look like and we're also going to give some examples of both good and bad theology in not only modern music but also hymns as well Um, i think a lot of the time we we pick apart modern music and then we assume that hymns are all okay just because they're older but we actually have some hymns too that don't have great theology so we're going to take the time to discuss that and at the very end of the podcast we're each going to share some of our current favorite worship music with you so i'm really excited about this because i i enjoy truth in what i'm singing and i've enjoyed moving it more into I'm in church because I want to be in church, and so I'm there singing because I want to be rather than just growing up. So I'm more aware of what I'm singing. So there's been times um, in different churches because I've been oh, all over for school where I've not said, I've not sung something. Either it's a whole song or a couple lines or just because I didn't feel like it was truthful. Um, and I think that's what started me particularly on this was I want to know that what I'm singing is true. And if it's not true, I don't think other people should be singing it. Like, I don't think our churches should be singing things that aren't true. Mm-hmm. So that's where it started. But then it moved into, hey, why do we even sing at all? And why do we do this in church? And why do we do it corporately? And why is it important? And um, it kind of morphed from there. And I think a lot of people, too, would say, hey, like, singing in church is not the only way we worship. Oh, yes. Right? So, I mean, today we're, we're specifically talking about singing in church, like worship music. But, of course, we recognize that there, like, you worship the Lord with how you live your life. And the words you say and the relationships you have and the work you do. And the tithes you give and the exactly. way you serve. Yeah. Like, I mean, whenever you do something to glorify God, that is a form of worship. Right? Yep. So, um, but today we're going to specifically be talking about worship music and... Uh, as we've mentioned in other podcasts before, like we were both raised in the church, so we both have definitely heard a lot of worship music. The other thing I would like to clarify is that not all Christian music is worship music. Yes. Um, Preach. <laughs> so that's something else I think we might touch on in this podcast where, you know, like just because you hear a song on a Christian music station and just because the artist is Christian and just because the song is about God does not automatically mean worship music. Um, this is something that's important to me. If I'm singing a song in church, I, I want that to be like, like I want to be singing a song as if I'm having a conversation with the Lord, right? Yeah. Where it's like directed to him and it's like, Lord, you are good and you are whatever. Like it's directly, it's it's praise. So when I started doing research for this, I watched a bunch of YouTube videos about of different people saying different things about worship music and I was kind of disheartened by the the strength and veracity that some of these people were against certain music with like it was Mm -hmm. it seemed very judgmental and harsh and 
not at all loving to me. Like I have a hard time believing that people would speak to brothers and sisters in Christ that way without like realizing it. Yeah. And then I also listened to some people that did it really well. So um, Emily and I both follow, watched the videos of a pastor from Southern California named Mike Winger. You can find him at BibleThinker.org or BibleThinker on YouTube. And you, you might call it my gateway video, but the very first video I watched from him was this past summer. Um, actually, our former pastor, retired now, um, shared it. It's uh, one of his songs. It's about half an hour long talking about the worship, I guess it's worship music, worship song, um, Reckless Love. So that mm. was kind of my, my gateway video to getting hooked on on his stuff, which is really good. Um, I think a lot of the time we get super emotional about these things. Maybe that's not a great word for it, but we'll get like super worked up about different things. And it's just kind of like, eh, that's not the best way to handle this. And so that all being said, that's how we're going to try and approach this episode of our podcast. We're going to try to do this with fairness and clarity and maturity. And we're going to try to not be super opinionated um, or emotional about things that we agree or disagree with but in fact we're going to just sit here and try and compare everything we say against scripture um, because that is the standard for us as believers so uh, one question that we may ask is why do we even sing in church what is the point of that Um, when did this start why is it a thing is this just a 21st century north american church thing so psalm 96 which bethany's going to read is going to offer some answers with that on that issue so the first four verses here are sing a new song to the lord sing to the lord all the earth sing to yahweh praise his name proclaim his salvation from day to day declare his glory among the nations his wonderful works among all the peoples so about the psalms psalms are songs s-o-n-g-s that were written by um, different people in the old testament a lot of them were written by david like God blessed him with a songwriting ability and he went for it. Um, so this song doesn't say that it's a Davidic one. Um, but the first part, is, it's more of like a command. Sing a new song to the Lord. But it's like a joyous command. Like, hmm. I'm telling you to do this, but it's going to be so much fun. Hmm. So the next one is sing to Yahweh, praise his name, proclaim his salvation from day to day. Um, declare his glory among the nations, his wonderful works among all the peoples. So I kind of pulled some stuff out of here along with the help of another YouTube video. Um, We are called to sing. We are called in song. We are called to praise his name, to proclaim his salvation, to declare his glory among the nations, um, his wonderful works among all the peoples, and to do it with with new songs. Um, And I kind of compare this a bit to the Old Testament to the New Testament or the Old Covenant to the New Covenant in the sense that we get to sing more fully now that we're on this side of the cross hmm. um, and this side of salvation yeah, because we see it fully. Um, and I, I know you talked earlier about when you, you wanted your worship music to be a conversation to God or talking to God. Um, I think there are other times where we talk, like we sing about what he's done. So it's not like, God, you're so amazing, but this is what God has done for us. I think there's definitely value in singing songs of remembrance because in remembering, we have hope for the future. You know, right. like when you're in those dark places in life, it's like things are not good right now, but you can remember back to another time where God showed up and where he fulfilled his promises and that 
I know for me, that's always an encouragement going forward. Yeah. So that's where I started from was what does the word say? And there's a lot more verses that talk about singing, but I think this was good in kind of summing up what worship music should be. We're singing to God, we're singing to the Lord, to Yahweh. So it should be theocentric or centered on God Mm -hmm. um, rather than rather than ourselves, I think. Rather than our own experience, I think worship music should be about God. So one of the reasons why I think worship music and having good theology in your worship music is so important to me is that humans are wired to remember things better if it's put to music. So you're probably going to remember the songs you sang in church and you can even remember the words. Like I find myself, I like closing my eyes when I sing sometimes in church and I can remember the words if it's a song that I know. Um, and when you leave church, you're more likely to remember the worship songs than you are like all the points of the sermon or everything that they talked about in the sermon. Yeah. And I think that's especially true when you're a kid or a teenager, like when you're young, it definitely leaves a really big impression on you. Like people talk about the Sunday school songs or I can remember just about every single VeggieTale song. I can remember all the little kids songs. I can remember the songs my mom sang to me when I was going to sleep. I remember the one song my dad always sang to me if he's the one that sang me to sleep. Like we, we remember that or even now, like we just, we remember everything better through music. That's one of the, it's one of the skills God's given us is to be able to remember through music. But the idea is that what you put in your worship music, people are going to remember. Yep. There is an element of we listen to music a lot of the time and don't really hear what we're singing. Now, I'm not saying that that means we can listen to theologically inaccurate music, but I think it's important to note that just because we're listening to a song doesn't mean our theology is going to be all messed up. That's a good distinction. But that being said, for me, there's a big difference between listening to Christian music and that Christian music could be worship music. It could be about somebody's specific experience. Um, it could be um, a song about who we are in Christ, right? Like there's a lot of different things Christian music can be about, but um, that doesn't mean that I'm going to take every one of those songs and like apply their theology to my life. You know what I'm saying? But that being said, I do think I have a responsibility to sing theologically accurate music in church because in that sense, that's corporate worship. That's a group of people coming together And I think we're going to talk about some verses coming up, but it's important for our music in church to reflect our doctrine. I would agree with all of that. So worship music should be singing to God, as in declaring truths about him, proclaiming things um, about what he's done, saying things to him, you're speaking to the Lord. It should be truth. It should be true. We're going to talk about this a bit more later when we have examples, but it, it shouldn't be false. It should be substantial, rich, have depth based on the truth of God's word. It should, you should be striving for excellence. Um, so are we really looking for the best worship songs out there? If we were, which ones would stay? Which ones would go if we're looking for the best? Um, and it should express elements of God's character. And a lot of the recent ones seem to be about God's love, 
Fun fact, he's got more character attributes than that. <laughs> um, so let's talk about God's omniscience, his omnipresence, his um, His faithfulness, his justice. Like Those are things that we can also talk about. So something else to think about in our modern age is that we can revamp old songs to fit newer music. That's okay. So I was watching a video in preparation for this, and one of the speakers was Keith Getty, and he and his wife Kristen have done a lot for um, worship music in the last, I don't know, however many years. They do really good music. And he was saying that um, each generation stands on the shoulders of those before them. We don't need to start from scratch. In fact, he says, in rejecting or laying aside old worship music or hymns, modern artists and worship leaders lose a rich history. Um, you lose humility and lose wisdom. So there's there's a lot to gain from looking at the the songs of the past. Similar to how when we read the Psalms, we can identify with David and we see a lot of what God did in his life through those. There's a lot of really good hymns where they're just rich and they're speaking the truth. And it's kind of neat to be singing the same songs or saying the same words as people from 200, 300 years ago. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to talk about some examples. So the first one is pretty new. It's the song Reckless Love by Corey Asbury. Now, this song kind of exploded and people were all excited about it, and then some people had some problems with it. Um, And if you go through the lyrics, let's forget about the music. The first paragraph, or the first verse, is, before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. Um, So this parallels uh, some verses in Zephaniah where God rejoices over over us with singing, and that's biblical. Um, You have been so, so good to me. That's biblical. That's true. I can sing that. No problem, because he has been so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. Confusing. Not perhaps as biblically based as you might think. Kind of like a maybe a filler line. Um, sounds kind of nice. And then you have been so, so kind to me. Again, good. I have no problem singing that. Um, but then the next line comes in, and it says... Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Can you guess my problem with this verse? <laughs> so I'm, I'm laughing as I say this, but I think that this is a real... It's a symptom of a greater problem. The word reckless is without thought or w- of what's going to happen. It, it, it does not speak about God's love. God's love is carefully thought out. It is patient. Um, it is it is wise. It is all knowing. It is he's doing this because he's thought out the reasons. It's by no means reckless. It's not that he's not taking care for his own regard, because in fact everything God does is for his own glory, as it should be. Yeah, I think of Jesus, of God's greatest display of love in allowing His Son to die for our sins, and to me that is anything but reckless. Like, that is a very serious thing. If you're going to send your son to die for the sins of the people you created, like, that's so not reckless. And that one great act of love, you know, was prophesied about in the Old Testament. It was pictured in the Old Testament. There are so many types of Christ in the Old Testament. Like, this was not a plan B. This was not a last-minute decision by any means. It was very much thought out and planned because he loves us with a love that is not reckless like so it seems like that word although it seems like such a small part of a song 
to me, it really contradicts what the scripture pictures God's love as. So this is Corey Asbury on his own Facebook page. And if you just Google reckless love, Corey Asbury Facebook, it's the first option that pops up. So you can find it as well. So this is what Corey says. When I use the phrase, the reckless love of God, I'm not saying that God himself is reckless. I am, however, saying that the way he loves is in many regards quite so. What I mean is this. He is utterly unconcerned with the consequences of his actions with regards to his own safety, comfort, and well-being. His love isn't crafty or slick. It's not cunning or shrewd. In fact, all things considered, it's quite childlike and might I even suggest sometimes downright ridiculous. His love bankrupted heaven for you. His love doesn't consider himself first. His love isn't selfish or self-serving. He doesn't wonder what he'll gain or lose by putting himself out there. He simply gives himself away on the off chance that one of us might look back at him and offer ourselves in return. So I'm going to stop there. And if you'd like to hear more um, about this, then you can go. We'll put a link somewhere to Mike Winger's video on the song. But I do have a couple of things I'd like to say, which will probably echo Mike Winger. This is a symptom of a movement in the modern church that is all about God being your friend. And for for women, it's all about God being like, like Jesus being like your boyfriend. Or like the idea of like, I'm dating Jesus and putting a lot of feminine terms on Jesus. And it's, it's like, he doesn't wonder what he'll gain by gain or lose by putting himself out there. He's not like a teenager who's going on his first date. <laughs> like, God knows exactly what's going to happen. He's he's considered the consequences of his actions to the nth degree. Like, he knew it was going to happen when um, when Jesus died on the cross. He On the on the off chance that we're going to come back to him, no, he knows. <laughs> and, and he did it for love's sake, but he did it for his own glory. And as I've said before, as it should be. Um, when he does something, it's with great intentionality. I mean, he knows all things. Like, he knows what we're going to choose. So, Bethany and I were chatting before we started recording, and we were just talking about how there's a lot of modern worship songs out there that can be a little off base. Um, and this has sort of resulted in a lot of people saying, okay, we shouldn't sing any modern worship in churches. We should just sing hymns um, because they are more accurate. And you know what? There's more history. And um, so we were sort of just talking about this and thinking like, I don't think that, you know, people have only made mistakes with theology in worship music in the 21st century. Like, I think there were probably mistakes 100, 200 years ago. So I was just sort of like looking at different hymns and I came across this one art- article by somebody who actually listed several hymns with wrong theology. And I mean, I didn't agree with all of them, um, but I sort of stopped when I came across one of my favorite hymns because I was like, oh no, is there bad theology in this hymn? And I think he has a point here. Um, it's It's a minor thing it's not about the whole song it's one line in the song but i think his his point is valid about this one line so i'm just going to share it with you the hymn is how great thou art like i said before i really like this hymn but the line that he points out is in the fourth verse Um, it says when christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart now, the issue with this line um, that the author of this article takes is that this line 
implies escapist theology, meaning that the theology that the earth is just a dark and twisted place and, you know, as Christians, our reward is that we get to leave it at the end of our life. And that when Christ comes, he's coming to rescue us from this earth and we won't have to be in it anymore and we just get to be in his presence. The thing is, is that when Christ comes back, he's not coming back to, quote, take us home. He's coming back to create a new earth. And so in eternal life, us as Christians are actually going to inhabit the new earth. We're not necessarily going to leave earth. We're going to inhabit the remade creation, um, which will be perfect because Christ will be ruling it. Um, N.T. Wright um, actually suggested changing this line um, just to better suit what I consider to be correct biblical theology. Instead of take us home, he suggested changing it to and heal this world. So instead you would have when Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and heal this world, what joy shall fill my heart. Um, I think that makes sense. Personally, I agree with that. I think that in the Bible, we don't see that escapist theology supported. And so therefore, why would we say it in a song? That being said, I still love that song. (laughs) Me too. And I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with singing it in church. I'm not against hymns. I do have favorite hymns. Our church in particular actually sings a good mix of modern and hymn worship music, um, which I appreciate. So the next song is What a Beautiful Name by Hillsong. Um, I don't have a problem with all of Hillsong's music, but I am a little bit concerned about their theology, and I think it comes out in a lot of the music that they sing. So there's a line in this song that says, um, you didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven down. That's theologically inaccurate. God was not lonely up there before the world was created. God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were in perfect communion with each other, and they weren't lonely. Um, Not only that, God didn't bring heaven down. God sent his Son down, which I think is a whole lot more meaningful. God sent his own Son to reconcile ourselves to him through his own Son's death and resurrection, that we might live with him and, and live for him and with him even now. I think the um, personally the issue I have with that with that first line you didn't want heaven without us is that that sort of elevates me. I like I understand the concept they're trying to convey when they say that they're trying to they're trying to convey the fact that we are so loved by God, right? We are very loved by God, but not in a way where it's like He can't be without us. It's like no. He doesn't need us, and yet he chose us, right? Like, that's mm. that's more of the love it is. It, it's that kind of love. And so for me, when I hear that, it's very easy for me. It's not a far leap for me to say, okay, so then I must, you know, be worth something to God or whatever, right? Like, it's like, well, no, I was worth nothing, and he loved me out of just his love, not because he needed me and not because I was worth anything, but he just loved me and pulled me out of my sin and cleansed me with the blood of his son. Now, when I say that I'm not worth anything, I don't mean that I'm not worth anything as a person. I just mean that nothing I do is worthy compared to God because of his holiness and righteousness. 
I agree with that, and it, it actually brought to mind a quote I had written down the other day, and it's by Mike Winger. It's about his one of his videos on Jesus in the Old Testament, which we highly recommend that series. And he says, what does God think of his people? What value does God place on you as he goes to die in your place? It's not so much, here's how much I'm worth, but here's how much he paid for me. I mean, I really, that, that hits home to me because when people are, even, especially in women's ministry, like, you're beautiful, like, God loves you, like, he's made you perfect, and, or he's made you, like, amazing, and you're worth so much to him, and, and when people, when people say that, it's like, I know I'm not, like, I know I sin, I know that I, I can't do things apart from Christ, I know that I'm not perfect, I know that I'm not worthy, I know I've done these things, and it, because of that, it makes his choice, so much more valuable. Mm-hmm. Like I'm more blown away by it because I know I'm not worth it. Yeah, if we were worth it, that means we did something to earn it, which means that w- he loves because we did something to earn that love, which diminishes his love for us and it and it takes glory away from God. And if you ever have theology, I like to use this check in my own life and just different teachings or music or whatever it is that I come across, does this bring more glory to God? And if the answer is no, then there's a good chance it's inaccurate because we exist to glorify God. Creation exists to glorify God. And I think it goes the other way too. If you can do something to earn your salvation, then you can do something to lose it. Yes. So if you have this idea of I'm good enough and that's why God loves me or I did this small thing and that's why God saved me, then when you fail as you inevitably will as a human with a sin nature, then that's when you think you can lose it. <laughs> and I've come to this position where I know that I I can't. I can't do enough to keep it. If it was on me, I would let go. But it's such security knowing that not only did I do nothing to get it, but I can do nothing to lose it because it's God holding on to me, not me holding on to God. And you can stand before the king because when God sees you, he sees Jesus. And that is why you're worthy, because of Jesus. So we do just have a couple of Bible verses um, pertaining to worship music that we'd like to share with you. The first comes from Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. The thing about this verse that impacts me is, is the way that Paul says music is used in church he wants the um the point of the music is that the message of christ dwells among them if at the end of music if at the end of your worship time you like you're no closer to the message of christ i think there's a bit of an issue there i think the other thing is that um he says that they're teaching and admonishing each other through this music so there's there's a point to our worship music. If if our worship music does not offer 
either teaching or admonishing. And I think by admonish, that could be expanded a little bit to mean like encouraging or exhorting and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. Or if it doesn't teach us something about who God is, then I think that there's an issue there as well. I think there needs, it's important to have some depth to music. Um, and then I, I also really like this little caveat he adds with all wisdom. It's important to have wisdom when you're dealing with worship music. Um, because because of the reasons he just mentioned, so that we can teach and admonish one, one another. If we are not teaching and admonishing each other with wisdom, then it's easy to fall into, it's easy to get off base um, from the from the meaning. And I, I also really like um, the last part of the verse where it says, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Like, Yes, worship music is important, but our own attitude is also very important. And if we are not um, worshiping with gratitude, um, and I mean, I'm not saying that you're always going to feel super grateful every Sunday when you're singing in church. Like there are going to be times when when you feel like you can't sing the music um, and that's okay. We go through those seasons, but I think that it's also important to just note that there's an element of our own attitude. Ephesians 5.19 says, Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Um, This is something really neat because I've often wondered, okay, like when I think of worship in the Old Testament, I think like people bowing down and covering their head and and, like, like getting very lowly before the Lord. And sometimes I've wondered... Is what I do in, on Sunday morning in church, like, is that the same as what they did? Like, is that worship, what I'm doing? Um, but it, it's really important that we get to worship God through singing. He's given us this avenue that we can communicate with him through, which is, and I don't know, I like it. I like being able to do it. Like I said, I'm not a world-class singer, um, and I by no means have any training in it, but I love it. I love doing it with with the body. Corporate worship is one of my favorite parts of Sunday. Okay, so that was a great conversation. Now we're just going to take a few minutes to talk about our favorite uh, worship songs right now. So, Bethany, why don't you give one of yours? We'll go back and forth here. Um, Why don't you start? How many are we doing? Three or four. Four. Okay, we're doing four because I have four. Okay. <laughs> okay, so my fourth one, um, my fourth top song is the doxology. Okay, wait. We're like counting down? Yep. Oh, I was not now prepared you have, for that. You have to order yours now on the spot. Okay, my fourth top one is the doxology. I love singing this with the whole congregation. Like I can sing it by myself and it's kind of cool, but everyone's singing it together. I get chills. Okay, I don't know if this is like my fourth favorite. I honestly, most of these are all pretty equal for me. But one of my current favorites, it's been a favorite for a little while actually, is Yes I Will by Vertical Worship. And I really like that song because it talks about how it's a decision to praise the Lord and it's a decision to worship Him no matter what's going on in our life. And like how even if we don't feel that worship, we can still choose to praise Him. Number three is Be Thou My Vision. Mm. And it's neat because when you hear it and like when the whole church is singing, you have the, the low men's voices and the higher women's voices and then the middle voices. And I just, I love how 
I love when all of the different voices, like the harmonies and the pitches come together, and it's just this really beautiful thing that it's all these people, all their voices, that's so much more beautiful than each one of them on their own. And as the body of Christ, as part of the big C church, I think that's what it's going to be in heaven when we sing. So another uh, one of my favorites right now is a bit of a newer song. It's called Hallelujah for the Cross by Chris McClarney. And I really like this one. It just seems to go right back to the gospel message. It just is such a great reminder of the sacrifice that Jesus made for me. Number two is Cornerstone. I love when this song gets to a crescendo and you're, the whole church is just singing it and you're singing these words that are so true and it's such hope for the future. And I, I get chills. Sometimes I cry. I'm not a crier, I promise, but sometimes I cry. I guess my second favorite, since we're doing that, is uh, Do It Again by Elevation Worship. And sort of like I mentioned before, the song is really just about remembering all that God has done for us. And um, it's all about how, like, Lord, you did this before. And so I'm choosing to believe that you can do this again. And, um, yeah, it's just a great reminder when you're in that place where you're not sure what the future is going to look like. Um, but just remembering who God is, um, can be so helpful in that kind of situation. Number one. Okay, this song became so important to me when I was in the trenches of the tomato greenhouse. Like, I would have my own little worship session and jam out, and when I came to this song, I had to kind of stop for a second and just, like, have a moment with the Lord. It's And the tomatoes. And the tomatoes. It is called um, Holy or Wedding Day by the City Harmonic, and it's... It's a picture of what's going to happen at the wedding feast and at the wedding of Jesus to his church, his, the bride. And it's just like, we kind of forget where we are positionally right now because the church is betrothed to Christ, like where the church is his bride. Um, and so we're not married yet. Like he's the bridegroom. There's a lot of imagery and blatant speaking about that in the Bible. But there will come a day like at the marriage feast where Christ will marry his church and we'll be together forever as one. Um, and I'm just really excited about that. And I love how this puts in into my mind that this is a true thing. Like this is going to happen one day. One day the church of Christ will be standing in front of him getting ready to get married. And it's going to be this this beautiful, beautiful thing. Like, for real. So, I think this is probably my top worship song. I don't know where I heard it. Um, it's called Death Was Arrested. It's by Oh, North- I know this one. It's by North Point. So, I really like this song. It's just such a powerful picture of what Christ accomplished on the cross. I love this song. Please go look it up if you have not heard it. So, that's been our episode on worship music. We definitely skimmed some places and went deep in others but we'd love to hear what you think anyway you can like us on facebook you can follow us on facebook you can email us at renewtheology at gmail.com you can find us on instagram and currently you can find us on apple podcasts and spotify so if you're an apple user or an android user we've got you covered and you can drop us a review, rate us, drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. We are in our first eight weeks. And if we get enough 
activity going over our podcast, we can get on some really cool playlists that will help this get out to more people. So that's it. You can catch us next Thursday. 